Warning, if you are faint of heart or easily offended, this show is not for you. We, you know, I don't remember the, the guy's name or the tournament. It was just recently. You know, I'm a poker. I play poker. I got a poker yes. show, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, I play poker. Gentleman. Not as well as you. Well, we're going to talk about that I in a second because I'm going to try to get you on my show. I'd love it. Would you do it? Yeah. You know how to play No Limit Hold'em even at a minimum to just be able to play? Yes, sir. I played the World Series twice. <clears throat> oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay, your ass is coming on my show. <laughs> Seriously. I love it. I okay. love it. That's booked. Done. Okay. All right. Welcome to the Nick Fertucci Show. I am Nick Fertucci, and I am here with Superman. Dean Kane. Dean, how are you? Great, Nick. Good to see you. Sorry I couldn't be there in person today. I screwed up. I'll, I'll just cop to it right away. Yeah. That was my plan was to be there, but I screwed up. So yeah, if I could be, fly, I would have flown to you, brother. You, 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 well, those are the old days, but well, I don't think you could fly anymore at your no. age. But we'll, no. But anyways, that's okay. You big-timed me. I get it. No, no problem at all. <laughs> Actually, the truth is, and you know this because I said it is, it hit me last night about 1230. Oh, shit. We have a <laughs> podcast. I figured maybe you needed a reminder. I sent that to you. We're here on Zoom. All good. I'll have you in another time, man. Yes, sir. Okay, cool. So for those of you who are maybe young or not in the know, or I don't know how, but if you don't know who this is, which I know you do, this is Dean Kane. He is uh, an A actor, uh, football player, uh, advocate for some of his uh, ideologies. We're going to talk about all that. But the, the thing that most people I think know you for, you can correct me if you're wrong, is in 1993, you starred as Superman with Terry Hatcher. 1993 to 1997, we did uh, 87 episodes of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Wow. And since you do that many hours of television, and it's a big show, especially at the time when there were only three channels on the air, yeah. um, a lot of people see it worldwide. And so there's a whole generation of folks who, and I'm honored and, and, and so humbled to say, tell me that like, you know I'm their generation's Superman, which I find... Again, it's so humbling and it's, it's a great honor. And it's something that I will always embrace. A lot of people say, you know, I played that character 30 years ago. Yeah, I've done 200 movies since, or some odd number, and, you know, tons of TV shows and, yeah. you know, hosted Ripley's Believe It or Not or other or shows like Hit the Floor or whatever it happens to be. But if there's something that you're really known for, I, listen, I'm not going to fight it. Um, no. I embrace it. I'm proud of having played that character, put so much of my time and my life into it. Uh, and I'm glad that uh, people people tell me all the time, you know, they still watch it today. So that makes me very, very happy. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool. And I was going to, you know, I was going to go into when I was first writing my notes, like some of the things you've done. And then I just said, I, I can't do that. And I'm, there, there's so many. You, I, I'm not even I'm not just saying that. Like there's so many movies, so many TV shows that I didn't even write them down. You just mentioned over 200. I was going to ask you, you know, uh, how many you were. What what was uh, first of all, what was your favorite? Was was Superman like your favorite, your most endeared role, or is there something that like we would never realize was your uh, what kind of resonated with you the most? What are you, you know, most proud you do, of? Well, most proud of for sure Superman because there's something in the human condition when you suffer for something um, that you really appreciate it. And you know, doing that show, I was gone minimum. I'd leave my house minimum 
18 hours later, I'd be home. Every wow. day, five days a week, start early on Monday morning, finish when the light comes up on Saturday morning. And you're just, all you would do is go home and go to sleep. I don't even know why I had a home. I should have just had an apartment right next to the, you know, Burbank where we filmed. Um, that was a mistake. was a fatal mistake by me. Um, cause I just, it just burned into my sleep time. There really was no time for anything else. So that's a hard way to live. So I really appreciate having played that role. That's my favorite. And the one that I hold closest to my heart, of course, but there's been all kinds of other roles that I've really enjoyed playing. I mean, my favorite movie that I've done is, is, has got to be out of time opposite Denzel Washington. He yeah. is my favorite actor. He's phenomenal. Uh, working with him was like playing tennis with somebody who's a lot better than you. You better play up to that level or you're going to get steamrolled. And uh, so he really was a great example for me. I loved watching him work and loved working with him. Uh, there's a movie I did called The Broken Hearts Club. Um, did it right around 2000, 2001. Um, Greg Berlanti, it was his directorial debut. He wrote it. He has since gone on to hit the win the Guinness Book of World Records for the most number of television shows produced, I think, simultaneously. He's had like all of the more, you know, what all of the DC things, Supergirl, which he put me in, um, um, DC Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, all of those are his, uh, as well as a whole bunch of other shows. He, he's just an extremely pr prolific writer and television creator. But this was his first film, The Broken Hearts Club, and it was sort of his story. If you met Greg, you'd never say he was a, a flamboyantly gay man or anything like that. But yeah. uh, he's a gay guy, and, and this was his story. And so we all were playing characters that existed in his world. And so I, I played a gay character called Cole. Um, I had a fight to get in the movie. They didn't pay us anything for that, but it's still one of my favorite movies because it's just so funny. It's so witty. And it's so intelligent. It's poignant. Um, it's a great film, and I'm super proud of that film, having been in that. And um, I did a movie called uh, The Girl, the Gambler, the Gunslinger, which is a Western I had so much fun doing that. It's crazy. Yeah. Because I would just be on a horse all day. I got, you know, I got six shooters on my side. It was just a blast. It was so much fun. I was playing a kind of a cat of a character. That's great fun. I love the show called Future Sport. Shot up in Vancouver with Wesley Snipes. That was the most fun. To sh so, I mean, there's so many stories and so many films, but those are certainly all highlights of mine, without a doubt. And you grew up, uh, I, I saw, uh, read that you went to Santa Monica High School. You grew up uh, in L.A. How did you get into acting? How did that happen? What was your big break or just how'd that happen? Well, I grew up with all these kids who started getting into films. So my parents' best friends were Amelia, um, were the Penn family. So it was Leo and Eileen Penn, uh, Sean Penn's, sure. Chris Penn's parents. They were our best friends. My parents' best friends. We always were, you know, together for parties and things. We'd play football and stuff outside. Chris and I played football. He was a year ahead of me, but we played in a lot of the same teams. Sean was a phenomenal surfer and a great. And if you're in Malibu, you know, being a great surfer it gives you a lot of cachet. And he and he had it. And he was older than us. And um, so Sean went and did a movie, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And yeah, um, famous you know, we heard, movie. Yeah, it was, it was pretty famous. And he played basically one of these guys that we grew up with, one of these sort of stoner kids that we grew up a surfer guy and, and, and just was awesome. I mean, I'm not going to give his name out who I think he was playing, but uh, really but, there's, uh, there's a character who he was actually I think playing. it's based on an amalgamation of a few of our friends, but there's one in particular that I think it really was. And I'd have and to ask Sean. We're speaking of the Spicoli, uh, the Spicoli character. character. <clears throat> yeah, that was, that was absolutely classic. <clears throat> now, did you ever date uh, Phoebe Cates? No, I didn't, but I have watched that one scene where she gets out of the pool and takes her top off and the yeah. sprinklers going. Probably nine thousand times. Just that. Yeah, quick. yeah, you, yeah. I got you by about a thousand, but yeah, same, same, same. 
But, I mean, uh, I think that was a rite of passage for young men <laughs> growing up in the 90s, 80s, yeah. 70s, whatever. You ain't kidding. So, that in a Farrah Fawcett poster, you know? I had a Farrah Fawcett. She was my of favorite. Course. I had that Farrah Fawcett poster. Of course. Oh, my God, I loved her. Yeah. But, you know, so all these guys became filmmakers, uh, became actors, and then my dad was a director, and then my dad directed everybody in Young Guns when I was still in college. It's like none of those kids went to college. Ah. You know, Rob Lowe, Sean Penn, Chris Penn, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez. None of those kids were in college. So you, and, you grew uh, up with that group around there, all these kids with getting into movies, becoming actors and actresses. Because their parents are also in the business. So yes, yeah. yes. Well, yeah, of course. And so, yeah, well, uh, that's a great, you landed in the right place. Now, you were adopted, yeah? Yeah. So yeah. my mom was, uh, my mom had my, my brother first, two years later had me. Um, but before I was born, she left her then husband, yeah. who was also named Roger, um, who was a, who was unfaithful to her and she caught him doing it and she took off uh from georgia where he was stationed in the army um pregnant with me and with my brother in tow and uh i was born a couple days after arriving in detroit where my mom you know soon became a playboy bunny you know the ones that serve the drinks and stuff lived yeah. with her grand my grandfather her father who was a navy commander and uh and 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 the whole family brothers and sisters and everybody the whole family she's brought us two little japanese looking kids in because our father was Japanese and my given name is Tanaka, but he was never around. Um, so when she was, my mom then became like Miss Michigan International Speedway and a model and she Playboy Bunny. And she was like, I'm going to go to Malibu or to Malibu to uh, Los Angeles, to Hollywood. And I'm going to become an actress. She wow. moves out to, to California. And then uh, she with, with a, her two little Japanese babies and, you know, she was married. There was another sort of marriage in between and, she says she's going to write a book. Read that book. That'll be interesting. Um, but then, um, <laughs> then she met my dad. It was a young actor. They fell in love. And for some unknown reason, he decided to uh, marry her and adopt the two boys, which are myself and my brother. And then our sister was born oh. seven years after me. How cool. So so um, it's been hanging on for 50-something years. And uh, they're Great. wonderful. And, uh, um, yeah, so Did he I... adopted me at that age. But, I, I you know... And he, my dad is the strongest influence on my life, bar none, of any anybody ever. Um, I love my mom to death, and she's wonderful, and she's a fierce, fantastic mom. But my dad, I needed that guidance and that strength of a father, and or else I would have gone down, quite bad, possibly gone down bad roads. And and when you're volatile and young and aggressive, and and uh, yeah, and it was wonderful to have him. Uh, set did I? Did I? Who did I meet? We went to dinner once in L.A. an Italian restaurant. Were they there? Was that your parents or was it, it was some family members. I can't remember. I I'm drawn dead on my memory. If anyone who knows me, <laughs> anyone dead. who knows me knows like that's so typical of me. But I, anyways, I don't know. Whoever I was there, you had just the greatest group of family, but I, I, I think it was, I think anyways, whatever. It could be. Listen, you can't remember mom, either. <clears throat> you can't remember either. I can't, I, I can't. Then I'm We're the same age. I, that's what happened. Our, yeah, that's, our memories that's, are gone. You graduated high school in 84, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it makes sense that we don't know. But by the way, in case you forgot that, we went to dinner. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we worked together a little bit with uh, some of the real estate stuff, some of the branding. And so we knew each other, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven years. But uh, anyways, all right. And so, you're a solid man, Nick. That's why I'm on your show. Thank you. I appreciate that. You are doing me you. the solid. And, that is, and that's a truth, too. So I appreciate that. Um, let's get into some of the fun stuff. And this is some of the reasons I hate you. Okay. All right. Uh, let's talk about because you became Superman, some of the young ladies that you got to date. And, you know, that's interesting to me. It might be interesting to a few people. So let's start right at the top. 
Brooke Shields. Ah, see, there Bro. you go. There's a fallacy to that argument, though, because she, we were college sweethearts. So I hadn't started playing Superman at that time. I was just a college ah, well, a college you, student who was a football player who was a year younger than her. I like the older so ladies, you, apparently. Yeah. Um, we met and fell in love in college, and it was a wonderful relationship. And she's been talking about it a little bit in her book, and she's got a new film thing out called Pretty Baby, I believe, that chronicles her life. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but we are still great friends. And anything she said I know is going to be 100% true because yeah. she is a, she, you, you scooped great her up. You scooped her up organically. Uh, yeah, we sort of uh, we were yeah. waiting for our religion 211 class. I mean, I remember, you know, you, if you got to Princeton at that time, you knew she was at school because it was she was so famous and she was yeah. famously there. But the people at Princeton were more like, you know, oh, I'm going to pretend not to pay attention to her because we're Princeton kids and whatever. I don't know. We were sitting there outside of a class my sophomore year. Um, she was a year ahead of me. So as a freshman, I don't think I ever met her. Um, I don't think. No, I don't think I did. And then sophomore year, I met her. We were outside a religion 211 class going in. I remember it very well. And she was up on the stairs ahead and I kind of looked up and saw her. She looked at me. We had a little eye contact. Then we started chatting a little bit. And then I don't know. She probably asked around, who is this kid? Who is this guy? And I asked a couple questions about who's this girl? What's she like? Next thing you know, we were chatting. She made me sit up front in class for one class. I'm not the front seat sitter in class. I yeah. Give me the back near a window. And I was good. So I could daydream and stare out the window a little bit. So yeah. I sat up front with her for one class, one. But uh, we ended up um, dating for many, many years, and she's a lovely person and a wonderful part of my life. How, how many years did you guys date? I think it totals up to about four years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. She's very vocal about the fact that you were her first. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> I, <laughs> wouldn't, I wouldn't be one to say it, but... Yeah, uh, it, no, it's, it's it's out there. She yeah, said it's it. Out yeah, there. yeah. Yes. So. Well, listen, we were in love. It wasn't like it was some Oh no. I get crazy it. I thing get it. Who, but it was, I get uh, it. You're not yeah. you're not saying anything bad about her. I asked you the question. Oh gosh, no. No way. Yeah, yeah. I know that. I know that. No, you you've always spoken very highly of her. Okay. Well let's move on from Brooke. Uh, I, I think if we left it there you'd still be uh it's, you'd still be in pretty good shape, but let's go on and, <laughs> and you know, other gals that are so so looking like Pam Anderson. Yes. Yeah. I did Anderson. Pamela for a while, uh, for a short while, but it was a, it was a, it was a hot burning candle. Let me just say that. Um, <laughs> and that's not yeah. implying that candles were part of it, but I'm not saying they weren't. Right. Um, yeah. No <clears throat> candles, you know, no candles. Doesn't matter. Uh, Pamela is a sweet, sweet woman. She really is. Um, she's had some past and some sense things that have since I've known her. Um, since we were dating at a, for a period of time, you know, that have been a little more in the news and, and maybe a little bit more volatile. Um, you know, I'm a pretty regular guy. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I think she always wanted a rock star. And that's I think that's I think our, we knew our time was limited, but she was uh, you know what she is that people don't realize she's a phenomenal decorator, really like interior mm. decorator. She's got great style and taste when it comes to decorating homes. And she. uh she quickly redecorated my home at the time, and I, I think I still have some of this stuff. Nice. It was my first sort of introduction to that stuff, and she was so good at it. She was lovely. Um, but you know how you see like someone, they seem very, very sexual or whatever, and then you end up with them, and they're not that way? That's not Pamela. That's not her at all. <laughs> not, not by a long shot. Not by um, a long shot. That's, there's, that's, there's, yeah. Well, we, I want to talk more about that later with you later <laughs> we'll, we'll, have, we'll a, have a couple we'll of whiskeys have a beer. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um 
You know, I just saw recently a documentary she made, and it was very sad. It actually, my heart broke for her. Did oh, you wow. see it? No, I didn't. What was it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how long it was made, but it's. I think it's recent and just goes over her life and kind of how heartbroken she is. And I think she's a little bit behind the eight ball financially because of some bad things. And it, it, it really was tough to see. And you could tell she was a very, very nice person, loves her kids. You know, it's just it's just. Yeah. Anyways, whatever. But um, it's all very true, though. She's a wonderfully nice person yeah. and, and loves family. And, uh, you know, I don't know yeah. her children, but but uh, I'm sure yeah. she, she doesn't. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot to un to un unravel with that onion for sure. I totally. I, I would watch it, um, but I, I just haven't had the opportunity. Yeah, uh, Terry Hatcher, who you spent some time with as Superman, Lois and Clark. Uh, four years, but there's nothing. No hanky panky there. There was what? no. There's you no, dated there's, her. We did not date. No way. No, no. She got oh, married after I, season one. Oh, apologize. Oh. I thought I read that. Well, you you may have because there was all kinds of things written. And they uh, were speculating all the time because we have great chemistry, you know, uh, on screen and um, and you're with each other. We were together way more than her and her husband were, you know, 18 hours a day, all day on set every time. And we're if you watch the show at all, they loved each other, those characters, and they were very kissy. I will say this. Um, it's very important if you were going to be kissing somebody all day, every day, that they be a good kisser. And Terry yeah. Hatcher is a phenomenal kisser. Wow. Gosh, dude. That's just, just something to know. It's just, just something to we're know. We're just all living. They're real through. and they're spectacular. We're all. But that was living, something else. We're we're all just living through you right now. So, <laughs> did you ever get aroused while you were kissing Terry Hatcher? If you're um, I wore a a spandex suit, sir. <laughs> so uh, I'd be very obvious if that. Was the case. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Break. All, all right, right. We're doing the bedroom scene, and okay, cut. Let's move on. Dean, come on. Let's go. Move out of there. Uh, I can't right now. <laughs> I can't. I'm gonna Give be me in a there. couple. Give me a minute. Dead, right, puppies, we'll go... dead puppies, dead puppies, dead puppies, dead puppies. Okay. <laughs> we'll go through this a little <laughs> faster just to not beat dead horses here. But Denise Richards. Denise is lovely. I, we're still, still great friends today. We, we dated a little bit. Yeah. She, In fact, I actually gave her, this is way before we ever dated, though, but um, I didn't give it to her. I wrote the episode, but I think it was one of her first roles she ever was in was on Lois and Clark. And she was Jimmy Olsen's sort of like uh, girlfriend and everything was wonderful. And I thought she, I was like, yeah. this girl is. Before Charlie, we hope. Before, oh yeah, way before Charlie. Yeah, I, I grew know, up I with Charlie though, so so <laughs> you know she and I did a movie called uh, "I Do But I Don't" when she and Charlie were together. So um, Charlie came out and visited the set, and the kids were there, and it was lovely. But you know, Charlie you know, and I've known each other since. You know, I, I've heard, and I don't know that even though he's had his issues, that he's a really nice guy. Like just Charlie a really is family nice to me. guy. Yeah, he's, Charlie. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, you know, and politically we don't agree at all, and and um, or Sean Penn and I, but Sean Penn is family. Like I would. You know, if Sean was stuck in Ukraine, I'd try. I'd try to go get him. Yeah, I'm no, telling him it. he's an asshole for doing what he's doing or whatever, yeah. and try to get him out of there. But I mean, like he's family, um, yeah. and 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 Rob Lowe, same thing. I mean, I grew up with these kids. Chad, you know, his brother Chad. These are people that I've known for my whole life, gone to grade school with, and uh, you know, Charlie and I played baseball for like seven, eight years together. Um, and he was on Young Guns with my dad directing it, and. Um, I see him all the time here and, and it's, I, I'll, is, he, I saw doing him, I'll, I'll is he doing better now? I think he is. I think he's been, uh, clean for a while and, uh, he's so talented as an actor and so funny. I wish all that stuff with three and a half men didn't happen the way it happened. Yeah. But, um, we all have our, he our was amazing. He was amazing on that show, man. Ah. Wow. So good. All right. Uh, we'll go, we'll blow through this. Gabrielle Reese, volleyball player. Yeah. We dated for a long time. Actually, almost the entire time I was doing Lois and Clark. 
No uh, wonderful girl. She's with the husband. She she should have Laird Hamilton. It should be Laird, not me. Um, they really suit each other really well. Okay. She's a lovely girl. Nice. Uh, and then a gal named Mindy McCready, uh, country singer. So Mindy and I were we were engaged uh, for a, sh- a short while, and uh, it didn't work out. It was awful, and she had some demons of her own. And she ended up, mm. unfortunately, you know, it had been over twelve years since I'd even seen or spoken to her, but she ended up committing suicide, which was oh, awful. Gosh, I didn't even know that. Shit. Yeah. Sorry. Awful. Wonderful sorry. singer and a wonderful <laughs> talent. It's so unfortunate that that her life took the turns it took. Uh, I, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of it was, I, I would say, self-inflicted. But I think she had some some things going on, you know, mentally that uh, that I wish she would have been able to seek help and 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 deal with it that way instead of the way she ultimately did. Very sad that situation. Is, that is why I also okay. couldn't stay with her when those things were happening. I, it was not conducive to to my life. And yeah, but I loved I loved the time that I had with her. She was wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's that's a sad story. And then last but not least, and I know there's a bunch more because you said there is, but I'm not going to this. We, we, this will be enough. So you had uh, your son with uh, Mrs. Spain. Oh, yes. Samantha. Samantha Torres Samantha. is my <clears throat> son's mother. Uh, yeah. She was Miss Spain. Um, she's from a little island in in the uh, in the Mediterranean called Ibiza, a little Spanish island, Ibiza. Yeah. Ibiza. Yeah. So, so I've had a house there for 20 years now. And uh, so she's she was born and raised on the island and she became a uh, Miss Spain that she ended up doing a playboy and stuff like that. And yeah. And we made a baby and he's my favorite human being on the planet. And he graduates from college on May 6th. Christopher graduates from college on May 6th. That is cool. Yeah. We've, we've, we've talked a lot about him. I know how proud you are. And we'll talk about him soon. We'll get back to that. Um, So how come you're not married now? What, what's up? You see, do you see my hair? It's dark. There's no gray. I don't dye it. That's why. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a no, fair you answer. know what? If I met the girl that I should marry tomorrow, I'd marry her. Okay. I have no problem with that whatsoever. It's just been a, maybe it's been because I've been a father first, you know, and I didn't want to bring a bunch of women around my son. That's cool. Growing up, I didn't want him to have a revolving door of women and so on and so forth. When I did have, sort of have someone around, I could tell when he didn't like them. And it's happened a couple of times. And so I just haven't met that person. And the person that I do marry will love him as much as me, you know, and, and, yeah. and I, it'll be clear that that's a person that, that, that he likes as much as me. You know, I would love to get to the point where he's like, dad, if you don't marry her, you're an idiot. I, I would right, love right. to be that, have that situation take place that hasn't happened. Um, so I'm in no rush. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Nick, but you know, for men, it doesn't get worse. It just gets better. You ain't lying, bro. Brother, I'm, t- <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I, I tell people this, I'm, I'm 57 your age and I literally feel better than I've ever felt in my life, physically, mentally. Like, it's amazing. Seriously. It's not hard to get dates. Well, for you. Well, I don't think you should be doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, what was I going to ask you? Okay. So, and and for the uh, viewers and the listeners, um, you you raised your son. Yeah. You raised your son. Yeah. 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 I had a big nasty custody case. With his mother, uh, we were never yeah. really together. I mean, obviously, we made a child, but we weren't like exclusively dating. It wasn't like yeah. a big thing. And then, uh, I, I, I do believe, um, and I and I listen. If, if it's in my life, I, I would rather have a child always. But I, I'm not going to tell a woman that she has to have a child or what to do. Um, and she made the choice to want to have a child, and I was excited as could be, and said, "Okay, but then the relationship is completely separate. Our relationship, we'll do it as friends if it doesn't work." 
And, it did, and, and I said, you know what? Really early on, I go, no, it's not going to work. The relationship's not going to work because we're not the right people for each other. We really aren't. I'm, I'm adult enough to see that. And, and so I wanted to do this as friends and do this together as so we can do it to, to help our child as best we can yeah. and to be there and, you know, co-parent this child. And, and she's a Latina. They don't take to that very well. Um, yeah. So she was angry with that. So it became contentious, unfortunately. From that point on, we had a very nasty custody battle. We were yeah. I wanted 50-50. She didn't think that should be the case. She thought that the, mm -hmm. the child should have one home. It should be with mom, and that's it. I can visit every other weekend. I didn't like that. We fought a nasty custody case. Um, I ultimately, we ended up settling it. I was It was over. I was going to win. And um, it cost me a million and a half dollars in California. California equal footing law. I could, that's not what it's called, but that's what it is in theory or mm -hmm. in practice rather. It's, um, you know, because I could afford any attorney, therefore so could she, and I get to pay for it. So I spent about a million five, one joint custody, um, had joint custody until he was about nine. Then I ended up with full custody really in, in, in practice because she was pregnant with twins with another uh, fellow. And, uh, um, then from that point on, he's never, he's been mine a hundred percent. So I yeah. changed my whole career. I, was, I, I remember fly, I was shooting a movie in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and we shot Friday night until dawn on Saturday morning. And once the light, sun was up, we couldn't shoot anymore because we were outside. I went right from set. I think I had like a cut eye and, you know, blood from my nose in this, in this scene. I went right to set, tried to clean it off on the way in the car, got on a plane, flew back to L.A., slept on the plane, landed, got in my car, drove to pick up my son or or meet him even at the football game, coached the football game, took him home with me that night, hung out with him the next day, and then uh, dropped him at his mom before I, before I took the red eye back to go be on set Monday morning. I, I, I missed like three football games ever. Um, I was there to coach everything. I was there to pick him up from school, drop him off, and I was able to still work, but I had to turn down, I had to turn down a, a series in Vancouver that would have made me, if not the highest paid actor in television, certainly one of the top 10. Uh, maybe even top five and it, and, and it ran for six years and it would have been retirement money for sure. Um, but she wouldn't agree to that. So I had to make a choice, be a father or do this job. And it took me less than a half a millisecond to say, yeah. okay, that's my choice. I'll be a dad. I would give up everything I have to be his dad now. Yeah. So no question about it. He's yeah, my I know, favorite person. You, you may not remember, but because we're, we're like that. But yeah, we've talked about this. And, yep. and I remember you telling me that. And I'll tell you, uh, uh, it's very commendable, man. Like, honestly, if, if these if these folks listening and watching knew your character, they'd be they'd be pretty shocked. But that is one of the things that really stood out and resonated with me because there's nothing more important. Nothing. nothing. Can't take and can't take that money with you. No, God, no. But the thing I can take is his love and and our memories together and all that stuff. So yeah. that's and that's worth everything. You know, when you're when I was flying in, in, in helicopters over Iraq in 2005, visiting our troops and my son was five years old. I had a lot of conversations with God about thanking him for having that kid in my in my life. And right. And and, and the wonderful things he's, he's made me think and believe and change my life um, so much for the better. Um, and then I've had a lot of conversations with God and most of them center around, you know, my love for my kid and, uh, it's the best thing, but I wouldn't have had, I don't think I would have understood how important it is to be a father if I didn't have a father who stepped in, in my life, right. honest to goodness, truth. Yeah, no, I get it. And, uh, and we, you know, we've talked about this too. We have the same faith. Uh, we believe in the same things. And so, uh, very, very cool to hear those type of stories. Last thing I'm going to say on, on the girl stuff, I'm going to ask you two questions. We're going to move on to something that I think is interesting. Um, False. 
Sorry, I should wait. I should wait. Yeah, yeah. Is there any <laughs> is there any other name that would blow everyone away, or you want to leave it at that? Oh, I got names, but I, mean, I, I won't. I won't. You no, don't no share unless, unless I had them. You're not sharing them. Okay, got it. I respect <laughs> that. Got if it. you and I have a tequila later, uh, I'll, I'll tell you some names. Let's let's go have a beer and dinner some someday soon, and we'll talk about it all. Struggling to find an all-in-one platform for the latest poker news and thrilling poker stories? Only Poker has got you covered. The platform is packed with exciting poker news, discussions, and games that you won't be able to resist. Share your thoughts with friends on the hottest poker topics in our circle. Discover the best poker games anytime, anywhere. And secure your seat at the table. Find all your poker needs in one place. Download Only Poker and join the best poker community today. Love it. All right. Um... Out of all this last two questions for that, out of the, all the women, who were you most deeply in love with? Wow. Right. This, see, this isn't, hey, this, this isn't like Fox and Friends, bro. This is like, <laughs> this is, this is like stuff where like, I, you know, this is what I would want to know. So I'm asking. Well, I was, Brooke and I were, I was madly in love with Brooke um, and Mindy actually very much so. Um, and, and. I would put those two uh, uh, on okay. the top. You can have two. You can have two. I get it. <laughs> Who out of all those names did you lust the most? Lust? Yes, lust. I mean, I, if, if I don't put Pamela Anderson at the top of that, then, then I, I might get struck down. Yeah, because you'd be lying. <clears throat> right. Okay. All right. So, hey, you made it past that section. That's good. <laughs> yes! We did it. We did it. All right. So, now, Dean, here's, here's something I want to know. Um, you do not hide the fact that you are a, a God-believing conservative. No, sir. Okay. That's very, now, very true. That probably, and I think we talked about this, has cost you a little bit in your career, right? Would you I say you got it, a lot of pushback or been oh, maybe X'd or canceled out of a lot of things? Sure. But, you know, in, you get that online and, and Twitter and stuff. In Hollywood, they don't say it. You just know that you're oh, not I know. being. You just know it. Yeah, they you don't know, tell you. Yeah, they won't they tell just, you because they're cowards. Yeah. Um, and if they told me, that'd be great. But then I would have some choice words for them back. Yeah. And uh, then we'd understand each other. And I would prefer that. But that's not, yeah. you know, how do you say trust me in Hollywood? No, I'm sorry. I screwed that joke up. How do you say fuck you? That's it. How do you say fuck you in Hollywood? Trust, trust me. me. That's it. And that's true. <laughs> because, I mean, I, I could have screwed that joke up any worse. But that's the, that's the truth. So they're not going to tell you that yeah. they won't tell you the truth and that's why i have people around me that will tell me the truth like my agent yeah. he's a basketball player man he and i played basketball forever um he's a great he won't he won't if he tries to bullshit me i'll be like what do you dude and he's like all right here's the deal Blap. And, and and so i need that i don't need this I, i'm a grown man i never needed it because i'm a because i'm an athlete because and and i speak in terms of an athlete like give it to me straight you know you're too short you're too tall you're not fast enough they want somebody different Whatever it is, just say what it is. Yeah. Um, but when it's, you know, they don't agree with your politics, they won't say that. They don't have to say yeah. that. But I have tons of people, you know, I was doing Supergirl and people are like, you got to get rid of him. You got to get him out of there. He he likes President Trump. He does this or da, 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 da. You know? And, it, and it's it's crazy. Um, you know, people trying to cancel, you know. So at first that bothered me. Unfor you know, fortunately, it hasn't cost me anything that I'm – completely aware of that I really wanted to do. And if, and if somebody were to not hire me because of that, that's fine. See, the thing is 
like like Rob Reiner, I think he's a great director, and I but I hate his politics, and I like mm-hmm. Ron, uh, 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 Rob. I like Rob, and we're friends, and we were friendly. We've spent time talking about things, and he was casting a movie not that long ago, you know, within the last ten years, and I went and met with him on it, and I said, look, I know we don't agree politically, but I think you're very talented, and I'd love to work with you, you know, and and then and, and you can use my. How, my, did he re- how did he receive that? I think he received it pretty well. I think it probably, you know, got his hackles up a little bit, but he didn't act like that, you know, face to face. And I appreciate that. And I think he's a great filmmaker, but I would use, I would work with him in a heartbeat. I would hire somebody whose opinions I don't agree with. I mean, in a heartbeat, yeah. um, you know, I, you know, I, I don't love that, you know, when Robert De Niro gets on the sets, steps up on stage to, to, to at the Tonys and goes, Fuck Trump, and then gets a standing ovation. Like, yeah, that, and I'll, I'll, I would how eloquent. Punch, I would want to punch our president in the face. Yeah, I mean that stuff is like, okay, you know, are we in high school? Because if we're in high school, I'll probably kick your ass. But we're not going to, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that's yeah, not, that's not the game. We're we're above yeah. that now. Let's try to act like adults. Um, but I would hire him because he's a great actor. But and I would work with him because he's a he's a legend. But you know that stuff is like, it, it's it's below uh, what they should be doing. And people canceling each other. What they don't realize. Nick and I say this to everybody. It's it's like if you you, you think cancel culture, they're going to end up coming for you. It eats its own always because no one is immune from that. Yeah. No one ever. I get it, and uh, you know I'm a pretty polarizing personality, and I have my beliefs. So you know I'm often criticized and mocked and things too. And you know it's funny though because I'm like you, Ardeen. Look, <clears throat> I don't have to agree with your ideology or your politics or your religion or anything else. I am of the fact that if you can have, I don't even have to have the conversation with you. If you could just be civil and, you know, because most of the time you're not going to change each other. If you could just be civil, respect me, I'll respect you. We live in a free country. And I'll give you an example. The gal that I do, a co- that I co-host this with, uh, her name is Veronica Brill and very, very lovely gal. And uh, we couldn't be more opposite. She's an atheist. Um, I'm not, I'm a Jesus believing guy who breaks all the commandments and all the rules and like saved by grace. Right. And, um, she, uh, she is very left liberal progressive thinks, you know, my ideologies are ridiculous. Um, but you know, like we have come to terms with the fact that we're different and, and, and she's actually now I consider her a close friend. We try to stay off those subjects. So no one, so she doesn't get triggered. I actually don't get triggered. Um, I don't even buy it. You do? No, I, yeah, I don't either. Me. I don't, I, I don't either. Opinion. I don't. As long as you're just not totally insulting me and, you know, trying to put me down, I don't really care what you think. And so, but my point <laughs> is, is we've gotten to a point where, you know, and our chemistry is amazing. Because we are yin and yang, right? So, and and she is the type of person, like you were mentioning, that um, doesn't yes me, uh, pushes back on everything, you know, even when we're debating and talking. And so, you know, I'm a, we're a lot alike that way. And um, I wish, I wish, and and hey, hey, let's face it, there's 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 guys that uh, that believe what we believe that are also like the other side that are not. Uh, able to have an honest conversation that are, are very hateful and uh, are very uh, intolerant of other people's beliefs. And I don't agree with that either, to be honest with you. I, I don't. I think it's ignorant. And so anyways, um, so we see I, eye to I, eye on that, my friend. Yeah. And and so I've seen on Twitter because, you know, we I follow you on Twitter. 
just the hate out of the blue that you get because you are very vocal about what your beliefs are. And I do see you just say back, hey, thanks, or okay, well, good <laughs> luck, or, you know, hopefully you're happy, you know, and you just don't take the bait, but it's like really hateful, vile shit that I see you uh, absorb. It's constant, you know, and, and I, I, at first it used to bother me a little bit. When I first yeah. got on Twitter, I wanted everybody to like me and, oh, gee, like me, like me. And then I started to realize that, you know, in order to sort of get that sort of feedback, you'd have to be a lemming, a sheep, and just go along with everybody and everything. Yeah. And I was like, but that doesn't make sense. That's not right. So I would say something that I know to be right, and then I would get pushback. And then I started seeing how ridiculous it was. Now, for me, it's a badge of honor. You know, if yeah. I'm getting that flack, I'm over the target. So go ahead. Um, you know, you, I don't think you can have biological men competing against biological women in sports. I love female athletes. I adore them. Half my ex-girlfriends. It's Gabby Reese. Uh, you know, you just go through the, the number of girlfriends that I've had. A lot of them were athletes. We didn't even touch on some of those, which is okay. Um, but I, I adore female athletes. I think they're great, but they shouldn't be competing at the high levels against es men. Especially They're female volleyball players. I adore them. Yeah, I, Just, me too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we would practice against some regular guys. Yeah. Myself and the the, the coach of the team, um, Gary Sato, who's a great player, and a couple other players. We'd play four guys against the four girls because they were professionals. Those girls were professional. Top of the game. And we were just regular guys who played a little bit of college or this or that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And we would hammer on them. And, you know, they would have to play hard in order to play with us. And they're the best in the in the world. So you can't get like if you took a top level guy, some guy six nine getting out. There's just no chance, and it's not right that 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 because I want to. I love women's sports. I want to preserve them. And and you know, so something like you know Leah Thomas again. You know, I'll speak up against that, and then I'll catch this wave of hate. Oh, you're a transphobe. You're blah blah. No, I have no fear of trans people, and you can be as trans as you want to be. Don't right. push it on my children. Don't right. push it on other people's young children. But do what you want to as an adult. Go ahead. Have a raucous time. But don't you, you shouldn't be able to compete against a biological woman. Well, you know, you know Dean, the, the thing is that you're saying is this, and I feel the same exact way, and I take a lot of heat for this. I don't care what you do. <clears throat> I don't care who you do it with. It's your business. It's your, you know, <clears throat> someday, whatever, that you, you can figure out if it was right or wrong. It doesn't matter. We're in a free country. But the thing that's, uh, that amazes me is that just by you saying that, you are intolerant. You are someone who they will say is transphobic. And I don't understand why if you or I have a belief why it can't be respected as long as everyone's respecting each other. Because the second I say, and I do believe this, that I don't think that men or women should be in each other's lane when it comes to sports and different things. And at the same time, I do believe there's two genders. I do. That's all I believe. And, and I don't know why I have to be, or anyone has to be chastised for believing that if I don't try to make you change how you believe. It doesn't, it just exactly doesn't it. calculate to me. But you're not you're not trying to change how someone else believes. No. So this is what I think, and that's okay. And they go, well, this is what I think. All right, well, we can leave it at that. Yeah. I'm not mean to transgender people. I'm not, you know, I have yeah, friends but if you who are don't, transgender. But if you don't agree, you are you are evil. Well, that's what they'll say, but I'll be like, no, you know, that's what outside people will say. That's what and I sometimes mean. Sometimes people not even in the transgender community. It's these, you know, very liberal leftists who will have to step up to defend. And then my trans friend will be like, no, that's insane. 
Yeah, because that's well, funny too. Because that you mentioned it. Because literally, I, I, whether you're trans, whatever color, if you're a good person, I could, be, I could totally be friends with you, have your back, support you, uh, in in any other way, like just whatever. But um, yeah, it's it's a sad day, and we're gonna get into that. I have some more questions to you about uh, where our country's headed and different things be, before we get there. Um, I was going to ask you one other thing on that subject. I can't remember what it was, so we'll just we'll just kind of move on from it. Did was there anything that ever stuck out to you, like major bias or cancel for you in Hollywood, or was it just like you said, all subtle, and it was more just like where they wouldn't say it? Is did do you it can did you ever lose on out on something big that you knew, even though not told, that it was because of who you are? No, not that I'm aware of. But I yeah. bet you my agent could tell a different story if, if, right, if, he, right, if he were right, to be right. honest. Yeah, um, yeah. But maybe they'll share that information between themselves. But even that case, you know, my agent has never said, I'm going to I want to drop you or any of that sort of stuff. He knows me too well. You know, it, you know, he would say, you know, some of the things you say, you know, won't, won't help you get work here. But I just did a I just did a, a, a show with um, a major Hollywood superstar. Um, and I think part of the reason I was cast was was because of my um, my beliefs and how vocal I am, because it comes off in the and and the kind of what happens with my characters, you know, you think that she thinks it's one certain I'm a certain way because of my sort of beliefs, but then finds out that you really can't judge that cover, that book by the cover. It was very cool. Yeah. I can't even mention what it is yet until it comes out. I'm under I'm sworn to secrecy, but um, totally. But but you know, I've never been no one. I've never been told that. I've never seen it. Um, and Hollywood, you know, a guy like Chris Pratt, who goes out and gives a speech at the, I think at the Kids' Choice Award, talks about God and God is good, and you know, put and Denzel Washington, you know, put God first in everything you do. Some of these people saying these things um, are it's wonderful. I love to see that. You can't yeah. cancel Chris Pratt. You can't cancel Denzel Washington for sure. Um, and and for me, you know, whether I've been, you know, whether it's affected me or not, I I don't. I don't see it openly. I don't care because, yeah. you know, I just, I've written, I've just wrote, produced, directed, and starred in uh, a film that I, that came out of my brain, my little pea brain here, that's going to come out um, in theaters in July. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Do you want to say the name of it or you wait to promote it's it? Little Angels. Little so you Angels. can check out a little movie, a little, uh, a little, I shot a little music video to sort of give people a, an idea Back in the okay. day, of what it what it what this film will feel like in tone. So if you go to littleangelsmovie.com, you'll see the music video there, and I, I'm I'm super proud of the movie. Uh, it's like it's like the the movie is uh, it's like the Mighty Ducks. It's about a it's about a college football coach who um who doesn't like kids and doesn't like soccer for sure. Who says something off color. Hmm, uh, yeah. <laughs> offensive people gets in trouble has to go to a sensitivity seminar and has to do community <laughs> service and <it's, laughs> excuse me and the community service is coaching under 13 year old girls soccer and he knows nothing about soccer hates it doesn't like kids and then has to coach these kids and through a series of events you know he starts to see them um for who they are these good people hard workers um you know getting picked on by other people he starts to want to protect his girls. And then he starts to, you know, want to make them win. He, he makes a bet. He wants to make them winners, but then he starts to fall in love with them, you know, and they start to really care about these kids. And um, he teaches them about teamwork and family and values and um, the, the values you find in a team, you know, being a team sport guy, I, I, I unless you play team sports, you can't understand what that's like, yeah. where you have to depend 
on your brothers or, you know, your teammates. I mean, I've been in situations with some of my college football buddies that I know because I know they're metal. I know what they're made of. You know, we're in the fourth quarter. It's 95 degrees outside. We're having just an absolute slugfest. And I can look them in the eye and I know exactly how much heart and and fight they have left in them. And we would go through this together. You really bond in those situations. And that's what yeah. it's like with any team sport. And uh, I tried to capture that in this in this film. And I think I think we've got a little I think we've got a little a lovely, lovely family film that I can't wait for for the world to yeah, see. That's a great that's a great uh, script. It sound that's very interesting. I'm going to look forward to watching that. I I I'm sure it's great. Check out um, the uh, check out the the music video afterward. Littleangelsmovie.com. I, I will do it. I will do it. Um, what I was going to tell you uh, that's what I was forgetting. It's nothing. It was on the subject of men and women crossing over into their into other things. We you know I don't remember the the guy's name or the tournament. It was just recently. You know I'm a poker. I play poker. I got a poker yes. show. All that stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, I play poker. Not as well as you. Well, we're going to talk about that I in a second because I'm going to try to get you on my show. I'd love it. Would you do it? Yeah. You know how to play No Limit Hold'em, even at a minimum, to just be able to play? Yes, sir. I played the World Series twice. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay, your ass is coming on my show. <laughs> Seriously. I love it. I okay. love it. That's booked. Done. Okay. All right. So, yeah, this guy, this dude, big old Santa Claus, hairy beard guy, just entered a woman's event and won it. In a, uh, a, a, and it's just like, what are you doing? In poker? I didn't even let him in. Yeah, poker. It's just, I, I don't know, you know, it's just it's like, stay in your lane. Let the women have their event and like, what's, what are we doing here? But whatever. It, it's it's <clears throat> stupid. I, I, I think, um, you ever heard of this guy, Zuby? Zuby is a musician uh, out of England, um, but he's also a straight shooting guy. He's like, you know, this is right. This is wrong. That's wrong. He, he one day he's like, I identify as a woman. And then he just broke the deadlifting record. Yeah. <laughs> done. Just simple. Just done like that. One quick second, brother. Hey, I got to call you right back. Thank you. Bingo. Right. We got to know who was that. My brother-in-law. Okay. <laughs> All right. See, here's something I haven't shared yet. Um, I'm leaving California. Like I leaving? am moving out. I am here in Malibu, California, and I'm moving out. You're going to sell the place and really be out? I sold it. Oh, shit. Where are you going? I just sold it. I'm going to Nevada. I'm really? Going to, uh, I'm going to Nevada. I'm going to near where my parents live. Um, they've been there for over a year. I bought that house over a year ago. Um, they love it out there. There are some things out there that, uh, make a lot more sense to me. The, the laws and the things that we're passing here in California, uh, are making me insane. Save it, you're going to save a lot of money too, you know, just in the stupid. The taxes are crazy here. here. Even in California, in Malibu, it's a, you know, a sales tax is 10%. You know, you're just constantly getting hit with a gas tax, this tax, da, da, da. You know what I don't, un what I don't understand. I don't understand it. I could. I could understand ideology, even though I may not understand your ideology. I could understand. But how are people in this state still voting in the morons that are putting together these laws and, and these tax laws? Like, what are, they, what are they thinking? What, what advantage do they get? The crime goes up. Your taxes go up. Uh, it's... I mean, even if, if even if we took ideology out of everything and we just talk business and numbers, why wouldn't everyone want to do better? It's like it befuddles me. It befuddles me so much. I can't put words to it. And I've voted and spoken my mind and done everything I can to the point where now it's getting ridiculous that I'm just pulling the plug. 
And I thought I would never leave Malibu. I thought no, this I get it. I mean, that's a that's a really nice place to be posted up at. Yeah, Malibu. Fantastic. But I'm gone. It's already sold. I'm out of here. Um, And uh, I'm going to relocate my businesses and everything into Nevada. And you know, there's no state income tax there. I'm saving 13 percent right there. Of course. Yeah. It's it's like just that is is crazy. It's Uh, it's crazy. Besides what you spend every single day on on food and 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 the energy prices so different out there. You know, yeah. here in California, you're just getting smoked with the energy prices. And, you know, now they're talking about in California, charging your energy consumed based on how much money you make. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that's sure. That's a that's good great. idea. <clears throat> great yeah. idea. Well, oh. it's like lowering the mortgage. You know, if you have a higher credit score, now your mortgage is higher. Yo, well, that's lower. fair because you can <laughs> afford it. I mean, sure. Yeah. OK. It's everything so, against merit. And I hate that. And it doesn't make any sense. Um, I was just in San Francisco last week and, you know, you see, you hear about it. Okay. San Francisco turned into a pigsty and there's people homeless everywhere and people doing drugs and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So sometimes it gets overblown. And so I went out there with an open eye. We landed, God, it's gorgeous out there. It's a beautiful, sunny day. There's the bay. It's so beautiful. Oh my God. It's like escape from New York. There were people doing drugs everywhere. I I had to go 0.3 miles from my hotel to where I was doing this event and I passed homeless people all up chugging beers, throws it in the street. Another guy's throwing up in the corner over here. This guy's smoking some drug there. And other and, and regular everyday people are just walking right by like they don't see it. Well, they need to bring back Gavin Newsom because he'll clean that up. There's nothing compassionate about having people living on the street like that. Nothing. And having, not receiving any sort of mental health help not receiving any sort of drug counseling not receiving any help in those worlds and they're all just dying they're going to slowly just die and unfortunately california we have 10 percent of the country's population and 33 percent of the homeless and we're just encouraging more and more yeah well you know it's crazy because you know of course this is another subject but with politicians and the media and all the stuff that's broken you know you don't they don't they don't really pitch that to you they pitch all the other stuff to continue to get people to vote on um just on a lot of things that just aren't really real. And then that's the product of it. And then nothing changes. And when you have control of a mic, a media, uh, uh, all sorts of things, um, you know, there was a, there was a thing a long time ago in the fifties called project mockingbird. And that's where the CIA decided to, uh, come up with this thing that if we can control the people and the people's minds by broadcasting, we could pretty much do anything we want to do. And so that was when broadcasting and news started to be take being taken over by, um, the elites, the people that wanted to control the narrative. And, you know, we're there now. I mean, Tucker Carlson, I mean, the guy the guy just got with number one broadcaster in the world ever, the most ratings ever, and he gets booted from um, gets booted from somewhere. What else could it be but his ideology, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I can't I, I can't start to imagine. You know, I love Tucker. I've been on his show a ton. Uh, we're friends. I'm very friendly with Tucker. Um, can't wait to see what he's going to do next because his opinion, I think, is hugely valuable. Um, and 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 I think that. He has such a platform. I love the fact, well, first of all, I just got to love Elon Musk for taking over Twitter and just sort of exposing everything you thought was probably happening to be true. I, I love it so very much. Um, and, I, and, and I think it's sort of like even the playing field a little bit. So a guy like Tucker, he's going to have a tremendous voice still in oh, whatever yeah. he decides to do because yeah. he's got so many people who well, listen he, to him because he doesn't cave to the narrative. 
No, he doesn't. He was, you know, I think he, he was making upwards of thirty million a year, and I think he'll two or three or four x that on whatever his next endeavor is. I mean, he could go do his own podcast to make thirty million a year. He could go, you know, on Rumble. He could go. He has so many options that mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, he he'll he'll be back and he'll be better. And then I, I think you know when the dust clears, uh, it'll be a blessing for him uh, as well because you know that like you know people think that Fox News is a conservative. Uh, uh, a news station. It is not. It is not anymore. Anyways, and well, know, I'm so. on it quite a bit. I still. <clears throat> well, get to I hate to tell mind. you, Dean. I hate to tell you, Dean. I think you should stay on it because your voice is good. You should be on anywhere that will let you to go on. And I know you're on it. And we'll drop that subject since you're on it because we don't want to get you in trouble. But no, no, um, I'm good. I don't, they don't pay me. I go on Fox and I like to go on. Yeah. I yeah, like the people. And, but there's Gutfeld still, has, there's still, you know, like Gutfeld, there's still some people on there that will, that will talk straight or whatever, but that they're, they're leaning towards the, you know, the other narrative and that's fine. But, you know, and you, you had mentioned too about the, um, the craziness of our government and this is not a pitch, but you're involved with Genesis Gold Group, right? Yes, and I am. You work well, look, with them. So Genesis Gold Group is a, it's a precious metals company and they, and they sell precious metals. Now, if you, mm-hmm. If you were, so my sister has an IRA that I started for her back in the day and it was doing great up until a couple of years ago. Now it's losing value, losing value, losing value. And I, I'm t- I told her, I'm like, look, you should roll it over into precious metal, roll it over into this. Because if you had like from the year 2000, the, the buying power of the dollars dropped like 30% or something like that. Gold has gone up 500%. I work with them because they're unlike, I mean, it's in the, it's in the name Genesis gold group. Genesis obviously have a, has a biblical connotation, but these people are wonderful people. Their their integrity is off the chain, and um, they just are, are, are they're killing it right now. By the way, um, this horrible monetary policy by our current administration is is helping the precious metals world more than I can explain. You know, when Joe Biden gets up there and says we're Read my lips. There'll be no new taxes for anybody who makes under $400,000 a year and then goes and prints trillions of dollars to create this crazy inflation. My friends, inflation is a tax on everyone. That's why everything you buy from your food to your water, to your gas, to your anything at the grocery, anything is, is gone up tremendously because it's a tax on everyone. So technically, did he raise taxes on anybody over 400,000? Well, not in the tax code. But yes, you have. Yeah. You made the cost of everything so much more expensive. The cost of energy, the, the war on energy is crazy. So the idea of them now creating a central digital bank currency, oh my gosh, the most frightening thing on the planet because they don't like Dean Kane and Nick Bertucci were having a conversation. They didn't go along with the narrative. Let's freeze their accounts. Let's freeze their crypto, you know, they're not crypto, their central bank digital currency, and we'll come up with some charge for it where it's frozen. So they have to go fight with us and blah, blah. I mean, that stuff is. People don't understand how scary that is. So when you have an asset like gold or silver and you have these things and you have it in your hand, it's tangible and and it's worth something. Um, yeah. And well, it's I worth got a, a lot more than I a dollar. 50 things to say on that. So let me try to get them out is you're right. And, and I won't say any more than this, but that what you're alluding to is biblical. But let's leave it at there. Or we'll lose our audience. OK, um, <laughs> no, it's just true because the comment section of, of this show is going to be berserk. But I'm all for it because this is truth. But what people don't understand what you're alluding to. And by the way, the, you know, our government has even though gold is what it is, it's it's still suppressed. 
um, it should be over 10, 15,000 of, of what it should be with what the dollar is and what's going on with inflation. But they can't allow that either. <clears throat> and what people don't understand what you said is that when the, the Federal Reserve, which is not part of our government, but our government allows them to continually print this fiat currency at rates that aren't even, even thinkable, we, like you said, what the people don't understand is that is a taxation on us it's a taxation even on people who you can consider rich but the real rich the elite the people at the top that are controlling they're the ones that are making the money and we're all paying this tax and then the other tax and the other tax and the other tax and if anyone doesn't believe our dollar is in trouble to the point of where it's not going to exist because that's what they want this isn't like, oh, by accident. This is a complete reset that's trying to be made so they can get control of digitally of then to say, okay, Dean, you need to play ball now and here it is. And you're going to say, well, no, no, I can't. I'm not. And they're going to say, well, you're not going to be able to function in this society. So now you have a choice to make. Are you going to carry that cross or are you going to be able to go to the grocery store and buy, you know, uh, a tomato? So, you know, a lot of, because, and what happens back to the Project Mockingbird, back to the control of the media. Nobody talks about this. You have to go and hear about it in places that you have to dig like you understand it and I understand it. But the, most people are just out there now working the two jobs because of the, the, the current uh, economy that our government. And you know what? Forget just this administration. Shame on just about all of them in the last 20 years. They've all allowed this, uh, this, the, the Federal Reserve to do this. Um, it's the most ridiculous uh, system that we have. And you know, people are out there working the two jobs to try to even make ends meet because of the things we're talking about. And then they're not getting the truth because the narrative is controlled all through our media and everyone's going along. And if I don't talk to someone like you about it or a very select few of people, you do know they're going to think we're nuts, right? Well, you yeah, do know that people think that's a conspiracy or we're, you know, following QAnon, you know, they say that to me, whatever. Anytime I say anything that's like, like you need to know this, they just think you're a wingnut. But that's what, when the word conspiracy theorist was also created by the CIA and the elites to, <laughs> to debunk you. Because as soon as you say something that's not mainstream, you're a conspiracy theorist versus a truth teller. And so that's my soapbox. And I am a big proponent anyone who knows me of precious metals but i'm t i'm not talking the stock of of a metal that's being held somewhere else i'm talking the actual hold that metal and but it still scares me dean because like if everything crashes and everything goes down and you have this metal that should be 10x more to hedge your wealth is basically why i bought all the gold and silver that i have they can still, a, ty a tyrannical government can still confiscate that. They've done it before. They can still take it from you. They can still not allow you to be able to have that value that you have to put it back into the system so you can get your digital balance of what it is. And it's a real scary thing that's going on, and not a lot of people know about it, and um, it's sad. It's sad and terrifying. terrifying. Uh, that's one of the reasons we also have that Second Amendment, though. Um, and, you know... Oh, I don't know if you knew this, though, uh, uh, but also that I'm, you know, I'm a sworn sheriff's deputy now as well. I'm a, short, uh, a sworn deputy sheriff in Frederick you, County. You have been for about five or six years? Yep. Yeah, because when we were working together, uh, you had just signed on to that. And then I, you knew that I was a cop. And so I remember that. Yes, I, I do know that. So now I'm, uh, now I'm legit for, for you know, half where, a decade. Where are you a sheriff in L.A.? I'm a sheriff. No, God, no. 
Sorry, but uh, no, I, they, I don't know. Yeah, I would not. It, it just they don't get the support out here. Yeah, no, um, okay. at all. So I'm Where? in Frederick County, Virginia. Oh, okay. So just outside of DC, about an hour outside of DC, 45 minutes outside of DC, Winchester area. You're able uh, to to be sworn there, living here. Yes, sir. Oh, I do my cool. time there. I do my classes. I do you all do. my qualifications there. I'm also a reserve police officer in Pocatello, Idaho. So right? um, I serve in both departments. And do you both ever go ten? Great... Do you ever go ten eight on duty? Like literally ten eight on duty? No, never. Never. Okay. Uh, well, let's, we, yes, I do. Of course. I I'm, oh, shit, I, I, I don't do... know what kind of status it is. I thought you were being serious. I was like, oh, that's cool. Of course, yeah, I wasn't trying. That's I wasn't trying to allude to anything other than I don't know how you could do it because they're in other states. Right. Well, uh, I'm fully sworn, so I have. Uh, that's awesome. I, you know, when I, you know, if we have something going on or something, I'm not going to be your. I'm not. I'm not going to be the officer pulling you over. Um, no, most I of the stuff we work with is uh, crimes against children, uh, and we work the ICAC divisions. And obviously, I do a lot of talking and do a lot of events um, with our guys. And but I, I train with our guys and I, and if there's something going on, I'm there. I mean, I'm there. I do my hours every year and awesome. uh, love doing that. Love my sheriff, love my chief, love the relationship they have with the communities, which is really important because you can't be a police officer in a community if the community doesn't support you. And and unfortunately that's why I wouldn't want to be here in Los Angeles because um, it's such a tough thing for our men and women uh, in uniform here because they have people like George Gascon, who won't prosecute horrible crimes. They let people out all the, you know, the, the shoplifting, you can go steal everything. If it's under 950 bucks, I mean, all these crazy laws that exist. Uh, I would hate to be uh, an officer here. I would hate it. I just, yeah, would be it's, it's not, it's not really a plus to do that. I, I got out of this in 2014. I did it for 18 years plus. And um, you know, when I first started working, you, you could go out and actually do business. But by the time I was about ready, and this was actually just 2014, it's worse now, way worse now, uh, you couldn't do business. And what I mean by do business is you couldn't do your job safely because there's just too much scrutiny and too many people on the other side, you know, really judging everything you're doing and all the liability. And really the cops out there right now are um, unfortunately not as safe. And, um, and, and they want to be hands off if they can. Yeah. And the media will, you know, show that they're a bunch of ogres and, and the handful of videos that were cops go rogue and all this. And, you know, I'm a big advocate that if you you're sworn and you go out there and you take advantage of people's civil rights and, and civil liberties and you do things like that, you should not only be fired, you should be prosecuted. Yep. Like there is no like I support the blue line, but I don't support it to that. No way at no. all. But it's just what the perception is, because really, like 99 percent of the cops are, are good guys and gals and, and they do a good job. So that's anyway, what I say all the time. Yeah, it's a it's a sad event. Another thing. But it's just perception because of what's being pumped out into the vents, the air that's being pumped out into the vents. So um, this is uh this, you know, I do a poker podcast, so this is this is actually a little fun for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a lot of heat and hate for it because it's against what most people think, but that's okay because it's actually refreshing to be able to actually talk about it. Um, uh, let's see here. Let me see. Let me see. See. Um, you you said this is one thing I want. Maybe you mentioned this earlier. You said today your Superman would be canceled. Well, I said that yes because what I said about that was because you know. I stand, and it's on my, I think it's even on my Twitter bio. Anyway, I put it, I, I do stand for truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah. And they're like, well, what does the American way mean to you? You know, you should be global. You should be this. I say, no, the American way is about, so the American way is about individualism. The power of the individual, not the state, not the government, none of that. Individualism. The rights of the individual are to be protected. It's about 
an equal playing ground, meaning that like government can't choose your business and, and decide what business can't say the government shouldn't be saying only EVs. It should happen through the free market. It should happen that way. Um, so there should be an equal playing ground um, to compete. Um, and then people, when they do compete and do well, should be rewarded for that. That's capitalism. Yeah. That's merit. Um, and then because you do that, you get wealth and you can take care of your family. That to me is the American way. And that's yeah. what everybody comes here for. They come here for the ability to move. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, green, yellow, Muslim, Jewish, Christian, whatever. You're, you're, if you create the zipper, everybody benefits and you should benefit tremendously because you've helped society, you know? And so, so that's what we are. We, we still are the land of opportunity. And so when I say stuff like, you know, people are like, oh, you're Superman. You don't understand the values of Superman, blah, blah. Baloney. Superman is the strongest being on the planet. And he was raised not by accident, by small town farmers in middle America, Kansas. And he had those values instilled upon him. So he chooses to be the most moral, upright and honest person there is. That to me displays the American way. And he, he fights unfairness. Um, but he, you know, he's not a bully. He could turn the other way. He could be, he could be the ruler of the world in a, in a heartbeat, obviously. Uh, but he chooses not to. And so that's to me is the American way. And when I say they would cancel my Superman, it's because of the things that he stood for, which are those things. You know, they they tried to make a comic about um, his son with Lois Lane, Jonathan Kent. They named him after the father. And they had him protesting climate change. They had him um, dating a activist which i guess is some sort of an activist hacker person who was a boy and they had a gay kiss and blah blah blah. and i said the kid coming out in 2021 is gay isn't groundbreaking it's just you're bandwagoning because that was the cool thing to do and make this and blah blah don't why do you have to change characters that have been around and have have you know been been there for generations and 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 try to change them to today's um zeitgeist the thing that's cool in today's world i don't think you should create a new character and go ahead and do that by the way that superman comic got canceled so i guess people yeah, didn't speak it, there it didn't resonate huh? didn't hit home it couldn't no. be couldn't be the superman that everyone knows you know i'll just say this and we'll get off the subject and we'll talk about something fun that i find interesting about you is the word says that in the end they will call evil good and good evil and that's just the way it is my brother so we'll leave it at that um so one thing about Dean Kane that is very interesting is you are were and are because you were a very very talented football player like to the point to where you have broke NCAA records that we're going to talk about. You were drafted by the Buffalo Bills before uh, you, you you got injured at <clears throat> at camp and 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 it didn't work out. But let's talk about that and starting with. You went to Princeton from 85 to 87. You were a free safety. Those are the years I played football. I went there from yeah. 84 through 88. Oh, but okay. um, but I, we only got three. So it used to be the Ivy rule was that you'd come in and you couldn't play on the varsity as a freshman because the change from regular school to coming to Princeton University was so dramatic anywhere in the Ivies that, that you had to adjust for a year and play freshman ball. So I had to play freshman ball. Um, and then you get three years of, of, you know, your football championship subdivision. Back then we called it Division One AA. Then you get three years to play. So I played for those three seasons. Um, 
you know, I had a lot of uh, scholarship opportunities uh, out of high school. We had a big time college, I mean, a big time uh, high school program. A lot of colleges paid attention to our players. I was offered a ton of scholarships. Um, I decided I was going to go to Cal, go play for Berkeley, stay here in California. It was either Cal or Stanford out here. Uh, and then back east, it was either Princeton or Yale. But I knew Princeton and Yale didn't give out athletic scholarships. And I wanted to, you know, get a scholarship. So anybody tells you that their kid got a athletic scholarship in the Ivy League, they're lying. They're lying to doesn't you. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. So um, um, I went and visited with Cal and Stanford. Cal, it was going to be Cal. I, I chose I was going to go to Cal at the last second um, just because the scholarship opportunity was there. They ended up not giving it to me. Um, and the kid I was being recruited with all the time, another player named Alan Phillips, who I went to high school with, was a great player. This is back when it was affirmative action, too. He was as good a player, at least as good, if not better, um, better student than me, and he was black. So he was going anywhere he wanted to go. Um, so our families would get together and Alan and I would go take our recruiting trips to, to all the different schools. Alan um, wanted to stay on the West Coast and be a surfer kind of guy. That's, that's Alan. Rest in peace. He, he, he ended up passing away mm. um, not that long after. But um, great guy. Um, <clears throat> ended up going to Stanford. We went back to Princeton together and we looked at the school and I loved it from the get go. And I said, that's where I want to go to school. But I was thinking, you know, I want to play pro football. I'd love to have that opportunity, but this is the opportunity to go to the greatest school in the world and, and learn and so on and so forth. Well, when I got there I was playing and, and I, and I immediately started as a sophomore um, and I, and I was an all Ivy sophomore player. And I was clear that I could, I could play at that division and that league and, and the Ivy league and, and, and the other schools, we play like Northwestern other schools. So it was, to me, it was football. And I, I fit right in. I was happy as could be. I ended up breaking a bunch of NCAA records um, um, at free safety. My junior and senior year, I played free safety. I played corner as a sophomore. Um, I wanted to play wide receiver, just stupid of me. Um, but I, but they were like, okay, you, Dean run three patterns. Okay. Now get back to the defense. <laughs> uh, so, so I knew I was there, but uh, free safety was my home. When I found that my junior year, I was like, oh, by the time I was a senior, I loved it so much. I, I knew I, the, it moved in slow motion for me. It was very, yeah. it was amazing feeling. Just, and it just uh, was who you were as a player. That was yeah, a hundred percent. And fortunately there was a gentleman named Jason Garrett, who was on my football team, who um, was, was a quarterback. Cowboys. Yeah. Was he was the head coach. coach of the Cowboys for nine, 12, 13 years. I don't know how long, um, but his dad was a, a scout for the NFL. Mm -hmm. And his brother, John, was a great receiver. And his brother, Judd, a great running back. And my junior year, they all transferred back from Columbia because um, Jason went over there because his dad became head coach. So either all the kids were going to be there. His dad said some things that were misinterpreted in the press. And then they moved back. And so our junior year, they didn't play. They just practiced with us every single day. Part of the reason it made me such a good safety is I was playing against these kids every day, and they were top-level talent. I wasn't playing some look team. I was playing against Jason, John, and Judd. And um, and we would compete very hard. And uh, by the time I was a senior, man, I tell you, everything slowed down. But because his dad was a scout in the NFL, the day after the draft, and this is when there was 12 rounds of the draft, um, I got a call from a few teams. But um, Mr. Garrett was was kind enough to put some good words in for me. So I went to Buffalo right after the draft, and they signed me. It was very exciting because Bruce Smith was there, Cornelius yeah. Bennett, Yes. Um, my quarterback was Jim Kelly, you know, and the guy behind him was Frank Reich. Thurman uh, wow. Thomas was a rookie with me. Uh, we were locker mates because he wore number 34. I wore number 36. So we were right next to each other. Um, Andre Reed, you know, these great players, these Bruce Smith was, I remember bumping into Bruce Smith's butt. Like I was talking to somebody, I bumped into, <laughs> I 
turned around. I was like, uh. I remember he looked down at me. He looked at me. He looked up and down. He goes, what are you, a kicker? I was like, uh, free safety. And he goes, hmm. But I know Bruce since, and he's been such a nice guy. And you know, they had the jokes about me afterward when I went and played Superman, where they just, they just, they beat me to death with it. Of course, even Coach Levy was like, "It is damn hard to be a Buffalo Bill. Damn hard. Hell, we cut Superman." I was like, "You didn't cut me. I got injured, Coach. Then you cut me." Um, But you know, I got to go back there and be a be a honorary captain. Buffalo and their football man, the Bills Mafia. They love them so much. I was so fortunate to be there. It answered the question for me uh, as to whether or not I could play in the NFL. And I know, yes, this was a very, I was very comfortable. That system was actually more comfortable for me than before my system. you got injured. You were com- you were competing. You actually yes. were competing. Oh at yeah, that yeah. Level. I, in my mind, I, I was because I had just broken the NCAA record for interceptions in a single season. I was there to pick off passes, and I was picking them off. I already had five picks, I think, in camp. I dropped one. Unfortunately, it wasn't a drop. I was just. Would have been a fingertip catch, but Coach Levy reamed me in the – well, he didn't yeah. ream me specifically, but he did in the big team meeting. We're dropping interceptions out there, and he just kind of barrel-eyed me. I was like, <laughs> holy crap. He saw Probably me didn't say it. shit. Probably didn't say shit when you caught the other five, right? That's nope, not expected. a word. Not a word. That's the expected me to do it. Exactly right. And that's what I want from my coach. Yeah. So, But they would tease me. They would call me – my nickname was Princeton. You know, Yo, Princeton, blah, blah, blah. But I remember my one coach, my position coach, Dick Roach. He's like I, – I sort of – I anticipated a pattern because some of these guys, listen, I'm in man coverage against some guys I should never be in man coverage in, in practice. And I anticipated a pattern. I was right. Um, so I broke it off early and sort of ran their pattern for him. And he's like, he's like, Princeton, what are you doing out there? What do you, what do you, why, why did you do this? I got, I thought I would do this. He goes, don't think. I was like, what? <laughs> what does even mean? So I went back in the line, did it again. But, uh, you know, it was fun. And they would tease me. Walt Corey was our defensive coordinator. He'd be talking to, like, Shane Connolly. He'd be like, Shane, you talk to that Princeton kid? I talk to him every day. I can't understand a goddamn thing he says. <laughs> I'm like, that's not true, coach. You never talk to me. But they would love to have fun with it. And it, it was great. But uh, such a wonderful experience. And I was, you know, that teamwork taught me so much in life. Football is, you learn from football you're going to get knocked on your ass. Everyone yeah. gets knocked on their ass. You're never the biggest, strongest, or fastest. It's always somebody bigger, stronger, or faster than you. <laughs> it's about perseverance. And I learned that actually was on the opening page of the uh, of the Buffalo Bills playbook. Coach Levy, who had his master's from Harvard in English, um, had it on there. And it was the Truman quote, you know, about perseverance. You know, there's, you know, there's nothing that can beat perseverance you know education cannot there's a you know we're the world's full of educated idiots um you know talent doesn't do it there's a bunch of talented unsuccessful people um it's almost a joke so it, it really gets down to perseverance excuse me and that's what i learned from football that hard work and that perseverance and that teamwork and it's carried over into my life it carried over into little angels as reasons i wrote the things that i wrote and that when you hear my character talk it's because i lived it and i believe it there's not a fake thing that comes out of that because it's real and I yeah. still believe it to this day. Right. Um, when you got injured, your knee injury, how de- were you devastated, Dean? Was it was it devastation, or did you take it in stride, or how how how'd that go? I thought it was going to be just a little thing. I honestly thought, and I was hoping this was what they would do, is because my salary was so low. It's so low. It was nowhere. I mean, it was it was not the league minimum, but it, this was 1988. Man, you didn't get paid like they get paid now. Um, and so, um, I thought they were going to, I was going to have surgery. I thought they'd keep me on the, 
there at the facility until I've rehabbed it all the way through, but I thought I would still get to go to meetings and learn. So I thought I was going to take this year to learn, get stronger, understand their defense better and come back. You know, you get an undrafted free agent to be your starting safety. That's a goldmine for them yeah. um, because it'd get me for free for a year, basically, or two years or let me develop, but they didn't have, they didn't keep me there. And I was bummed out about that mm. um, because I would, I would have sat there and watched films all day, every day, Yeah, all day, every day, show me the film. I'll learn it. I'll learn it. I'll learn it. Let's go. I'll learn this defense better than, you know, but they didn't seem to be, oh, I'm not going to blame coach Roach for that um, or, or coach Corey or even coach Levy, but um, there's, you know, Bill Polian was our general manager. I remember when they told me I had to go see him, we had drug testing. And because I was a rookie, I was like six 30 in the morning um, to go in for my drug test. And Bruce Smith was rolling in at one 30 in the afternoon, you know? Um, so I'm in there and, uh, uh, Abe, he passed away recently, our trainer. He's a Kane, how's that knee? Let me take a look at that knee. I said, actually, it feels great because we had a day off. And I, it feels great today. It feels really good. Um, and he's like, he looked at it, he goes, mm, I don't know. You might want to go see, uh, I think you better go see a uh, doc. And I was like, uh-oh. Like, that's the kiss of death. Yeah. Once I saw the doc, they said I had surgery. And, uh, and then they were going to wait. And then I had to go see Bill Pauly and bring my playbook and, you know, tell him. Um, he, they said, you know, we're going to wave you when you're healthy. You have surgery. And then we're going to wave you when you're healthy. And if you don't get picked up off of waivers, then you'd come back here next year and we'll give her another go. And so it was kind of, it was kind of a dear John, but um, they've been really nice to me since. And they were wonderful. And I was so thankful to Mr. Garrett for helping me get that, that, that look. I was so thankful to be there. And I know I very well could belong there. And my heart, a big part of my heart, you know, always is going to be with the bills. There's a picture right here. Yeah. This is uh, Ralph Wilson, our owner. Yeah. Um, that is the air Force mentioned. Uh, Bruce Smith Hall of Fame, and then a little number thirty-six right there. That's our boy. You look like the Water Boy. I felt like the Water Boy sometimes. I'll tell you, until I strapped it on, then I didn't care. That's then it's just I know. I, well, I've I've watched some of your highlights. You were a beast. Now I would imagine though the trajectory of your career in life, in hindsight, worked out pretty good. Quite happy with that. I yeah. had to find something else to do. I yeah. thought I was going to be a screenwriter and a football player, so I was going to be working on my brain at night. And working my body and stuff all day. That's what I figured I was doing. Yeah. Uh, my dad, being a director, pushed me to be a writer. And um, so fortunately, um, you know, unfortunately, though, fortunately I, got, unfortunately, I got hurt. But fortunately, I had other things to do. It's the reason you go to a school like Princeton. And uh, I started writing. But it took a while to get paid as a writer. So I was doing commercials at the same time. And I was getting paid quickly doing commercials. Then I had more acting opportunities. And then finally, I ended up getting the same day I got a – the same month that I got a Hollywood screenplay – contract um i got cast as superman and i had to actually get out of that writing contract because i couldn't wow. do both um so, so i've been cool. writing and directing and everything that's the wonderful thing about this business is you can do it all and i love i love so much coming up with a story telling that story putting it on film with all the different things all the wonderful actors that come in the cinematographers who do their great thing the post work all that that whole process i love that process and then i also love watching the movie and listening to people respond to it, taking them on a journey. So um, that's what Little Angels is for me. Um, and it's it's a lovely family movie, but I like to make all kinds of different films. So I'm hoping this will be a, a nice little change in yeah. uh, uh, the tra trajectory of my career um, because I really enjoyed it that much. Well, you know, if you ever get to a point where you need an Italian guy with a beard and sunglasses in any of your movies. You remember we we taped some things together and they call me yes. Nikki One One Take. So I am yes. here. I work for food. So okay. <laughs> Consider it like done. All right, cool. 
Um, but I'm going to brag on you a little bit before we – I don't want to blow over your stats. Uh, you, and then we're going to go to a, the, the last part. You are first-team All-American at Princeton. You set NCAA record for uh, most interceptions in a single season, 12 in 10 games. Yep. That's, that's ridiculous, okay? That was a double record. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, that was a per-game average. That's, that's, that's crazy. Still hold an NCAA per-game average, most interceptions, single season, 1.2 per game, and most interceptions per-game average career, 22-30 games. 22 and 30 games. It's almost one a game. Uh, nowadays, they're you know we only got to play ten games at Princeton. Yeah. We still do. No postseason, no bowls, which they got to change that. Because um, yeah. uh, uh, there's a number of three kids off our last th- three kids signed. One kid got drafted in the sixth round. Uh, Andre, uh, uh, how do you say, Yosevich? Um, he got drafted Bengals in the sixth round. Receiver, great looking kid, great looking prospect. Obviously going to a great team too. Um, and then two other kids signed free agent contracts. Uh, afterwards. So I love to see the Princeton kids still getting out there and getting their NFL shots. The, it, it happens. There's a lot of kids that get that get that shot. So um, for me, the fact that I broke those records um, got me noticed. But we only could do 10 games per season. So I wish I would have been able to have 14, 15 games because, man, my numbers could have been, woo, uncatchable. Yep. All right. So that's uh that's an impressive impressive career man I'll tell you in all respects so let's uh we're gonna end here with a few fun co- just a quick dumb questions then we're gonna close it uh, dumb questions are my specialty perfect your favorite <laughs> la restaurant I have to give it to nobu 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 Malibu okay uh your best I think I know what you're gonna say best and favorite movie and why would be Superman Oh yeah, but it's not a movie. So oh, it's a series, that yeah, series. That that series. was your most that was your most coveted role, yeah. Yeah, no uh, question. Favorite food. Ooh, man, it depends on what day. Uh, I love Italian. I love sushi. Love Mexican. Ooh. Favorite Ooh. dish. Favorite dish of any food that if you were going to the electric chair, that you would say, "Bring me this." It's either going to be. Just a big, gorgeous ribeye steak, potatoes. I love potatoes so yeah. very much. Steak and potatoes, I could see that very well being it. Either that or an Italian dish, you know, like a some sort of a, um, a fettuccine Alfredo with truffle. I'll Oof. tell you what, before, be, when are you leaving? When are you leaving town? When are you getting out of Dodge? I'm moving in June. How about. I have you over for an Italian dinner because I make meatballs, sausage, and a and a homemade sauce. Would you come? In a heartbeat. Okay, you're gonna get invited. I would like come and break bread before you take off out of this uh, thing they call a state. <laughs> okay. This um, beautiful place that uh, used to be a great state. I know. Uh, favorite pastime. Hmm. Well, you know, America's pastime they say is baseball, but. Um, for me, uh, well, I'm going to go with sp- football is clearly my favorite sport. But yeah. for me to, to, to you know, hmm. for me, just the, my favorite thing to do is to spend time with my kid. I don't care yeah. if we're playing video games or going for a walk or swimming what? in the pool, playing basketball. Watching a football care. game with your kid, probably uh, the nuts. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Okay. Uh, your most, your favorite actor or actress besides yourself? Denzel Washington. Hands Love down. It. No question and, about it. Got it. Okay. He's phenomenal. Your favorite politician and why? Ronald Reagan. Um, ah. He was the great communicator, phenomenal speaker, 
wonderful man. I got to meet him. That picture is right here. Um, he, uh, I got to meet him when the first year I was playing Superman. Uh, unbelievably gracious man. And I look back at his speeches now, and if I were to run for office, I would, I would borrow from him liberally. I would always, of course, unlike President Biden, I would always footnote that Ronald Reagan said it instead of trying to claim it as my own. He Biden right. took the Neil Kinnock speech and yeah, yeah, yeah. probably I many others. Um, how about the worst politician of our time? Well, I'm going to have to go with Joe Biden right now. Without a doubt, okay. I think he's doing an absolutely horrific job. Got it. All right. Well, that's all I have on that. So do you have any uh, career or personal goals still for Dean Kane to accomplish before you meet your maker? Oh, yes. A ton. I honestly feel like and I know, you know, I'll be 57 this year. I know um, that people tell you oh, that's old. I, I, I don't feel like that at all. I feel like my career is just starting again awesome. yeah. uh, in, in a different way. Um, maybe it's because of having done Little Angels or maybe because I'm leaving California and moving somewhere else and changing my perspective. But man, I just feel like I haven't even started accomplishing the things that I'm going to accomplish. I've written, you know, 30 movies that that I still haven't had a chance to make. And I can't wait to get some of these other ones out there, or other projects that are brought to me. So I can't I cannot wait. Uh, but I'm also I'm working with, you know, a, a Christian gaming company. Um, I'm working with uh another another gaming company just gave my son's a gamer so uh and i love playing games and things with him um i'm i'm working on a graphic novel with a real good buddy of mine who's a who's a uh a, a, an illustrator uh was for dc for the longest time but left them because he didn't like the woke superman so i've got so many things going on uh it's madness and i like branching out i like doing a whole bunch of different things i did it when i was back in in uh high school and college and, and 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 I like doing that now. Like you, you're not doing one thing. You're not just doing real estate, this and then poker and then a podcast. You do everything, man. You're an officer. All the things. So, so have varied interests. Yeah. Go into various yeah. things. And as you, as I find, as I get older, it's getting easier and easier to venture yeah. off and create new. Uh, well, new yeah, it is because you're wiser, you're smarter, you have more finances behind you. You're not as desperate financially, so it opens a lot of doors. And I think we're a lot alike when. It just, like I just feel like we both just got to keep moving and creating, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, and I feel like you. I feel better than ever. It's the weirdest thing at my age. I feel better <laughs> than ever. It's it's just bizarre. I think wow. it's invigorating when you do it. You're doing different things and you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. Um, how do you want to be remembered? Is there any way you want to frame that, or how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as a wonderful father. Um, yeah. I'd love to be remembered as a wonderful husband. Um, but, I, but I got to find a wife first. Um, my son just texted me. That's awesome. Um, uh, I would love to be remembered as a kind person who, who tried to help other people genuinely try to do good and help others. And any last thoughts before I close this? No, man, I can't wait for that, that, those meatballs and that pasta dish I'm, and, uh, we're, we're, break some we're bread. Gonna, we're going to do that. That's that's a that's going to be fun. We're going to do that. And when this pod comes out uh, next Monday, what's next Monday's date, Vincent? Next Monday is 8th. OK, so this will be out on the 8th. I'll send you the link. If you uh, what I would like most is if you could blast it out there for me so I could get sure. more haters. Some of your haters, if I could get. Oh, them yeah. To well, you'll get you'll get a good bunch of them. Yeah. 
as long as they subscribe and you know my comment sections are open so that Perfect. would be great all right dean i'll tell you what i'm gonna close it out here uh i'm really glad uh that you came on and i am really glad that i could call you a friend you're you're a great human being and um and a class act and this is the nick fertucci show i am nick fertucci and for myself and dean kane envy out